because I'm taking notes. How many here are missing Sim? Okay, I, I'm going to email him this week. Maybe about 30%. <laughs> you know that? Why are we missing Sim? Why am I missing Sim? The obvious reason is because he's not here. And that was uppermost in Jesus' mind when he was leaving this world. He says, I'm going to be leaving. And his disciples had no idea of what was transpiring. But he says, I'm going to send you another comforter. That is somebody just like me. I can only be with you where you are. And the disciples would come to him with the questions. But if he wasn't here, and Sim's not here, you can't go and talk to him. But he says, I'm going to send you another comforter just like me, and he's going to be with you and in you. And what an astounding thing that has transpired in the world. Because the Holy Spirit indwells every single believer. And now if we could just see heaven's viewpoint of the earth, the whole world and the number of believers that have been gathering together today, all because the Holy Spirit came and he has indwelt each and every one of us. Far greater than if Jesus was walking here. He's able to reach the whole world through the Holy Spirit. Last week we looked briefly at two things that Jesus points out when the Holy Spirit comes. And that is his message to the world. He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment of sin because they don't believe in him, of righteousness because he goes to the Father. The work has been done. And of judgment because the rule of this world has been judged. And let's not forget, Satan has been defeated. We look around today and we see the evil that is increasing in the world like never before, and it's rapidly increasing. The Holy Spirit is not defeated. He's living in each of us. And as we are connected together as a body, then greater is he that's in you all than he that's in the world. Let's not forget, we're united as a body. And as a result, the Holy Spirit working in each and every one of us helps us to overcome the world and the things in the world. We need it now more than we've ever needed it in our history. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> and it's just to sort of land on one of the verses. But as we go through, um, well, I'll let you know when we get to that point. Romans 8, we're going to read the first 11 verses. There's now... No condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body... God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us 
his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. Let me stop here. And this is a demonstration that I'd like to give to you, a real live demonstration that the Holy Spirit is alive and working among us. It's okay if I use names? Okay. Bonnie came up before the service, and she had a question that she wanted to ask, which was, do we have one mind or two? All right. This wasn't planned. Verse 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But let the Spirit control your mind, and that leads to life and peace. Right there in the Scripture. God put it together like that. That's the Holy Spirit working among us. A real live example. This is what, I wasn't going to speak on this. I had already highlighted this, Bonnie, in this presentation. Isn't it amazing? Praise the Lord. Is there any question that he's not here? No. This is amazing, and you're going to find out some more. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. And f don't forget that. You've got the Holy Spirit in you? You are not. It doesn't say sometimes you are and sometimes you're not. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And this is where I want to emphasize to start with this morning. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them belong to him at all. How important do you think it is that we have the Holy Spirit then? If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're not Christians. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies by this same living spirit living within you. And that, in a sense, has a couple of possible meanings to it. When we have the Holy Spirit at the point that we come to salvation and our sins are forgiven, we receive the Holy Spirit. He gives life to these mortal bodies that we're in. We come alive in Christ. We see the world differently. We have a heart for people that we never had before. Our lives have become so radically changed. And the reason for that is that the Holy Spirit is in these mortal bodies and he's giving life, not once and for all, every single day. We experience the living reality of the Holy Spirit working in our lives from day to day 
if we'll only look for it. Many times we don't look for it. Many times we don't realize that God has been working in the circumstances to bring about restoration and healing and so on. And we just look at it in the natural. But God is behind the scenes through the Holy Spirit working in us in order to raise us from these deadened bodies that we might live in life. And of course, this also applies to the resurrection. One day, these mortal bodies will take on immortality. I have a sister that has been sick. Some of you know I've spoken to you. I went to see her yesterday. Um, for the past, what am I going to say, 40 plus years. If she, got, if she has been able to get three to four days in a month without being in pain, that's the best that she's had. She's been on morphine for 30 years until her veins can't take it anymore. And now she's had a problem with her eye. She's got bright light in her eye. She has seen the specialist, and he says, come and see me on the 28th. He has checked for things, but she doesn't complain. And she says, Dave, I don't know why the Lord leaves me here. I'm ready to go anytime. And you know, I've talked to some of you this morning, and that's our heart's cry. We're seeing the evil increasing rapidly in the world. And Lord, when are you going to take us out of this? But you have to come back to the, realize we're still here. There's still the preaching of, the gods, of God's word because he's not willing that any should perish. What a heart God has. He sees the evil like we don't. Far worse. And yet he leaves us here as a representative of him to reach souls for Christ because he's not willing that any should perish. So how important is it then that we have the Holy Spirit? If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. Are you sure you have the Holy Spirit? Is there any evidence in your life that you have the Holy Spirit? You see, we receive the Holy Spirit the moment we believe. And Scripture refers to being born of God. Jesus says, you must be born again. John says, you must be born of God. Jesus says, you need to be born of the Spirit all meaning the same thing. But unless we are convinced of our sin and repent of our sins, we will not receive the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. We need the Holy Spirit for life, more now than ever. This is something that I showed my sister this yesterday afternoon. I said, Nancy, have you ever taken note of this before? Is there a formula for the receiving of the Holy Spirit? 
Have you ever thought of it before? Is there something you have to do in order to receive the Holy Spirit? Let's have a look at what the Word says. These are just brief sections of Scripture. I'm just going to read them through. And you'll notice what's highlighted. So in Acts 2, there appeared to them, that is those in the upper room of 150, including the apostles, there appeared to them divided tongues as fire, and one sat on each of them. You ever remember seeing somebody where that happened to them? I haven't. Was there another burning bush beside the one that Moses saw? No. Isn't that interesting? So I guess nobody receives the Holy Spirit with tongues of fire. Whoops. Um, Luke 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Have you asked for the Holy Spirit? If you asked, did you receive? Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins as a visible seal of that remission and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you need to repent and be baptized in order to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 5, God has exalted Jesus to his right hand to be prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are his witness to to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey. Well, now you've got to repent, you've got to obey, you've got to... What's going on? Acts 8. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So they prayed. Does it have to be apostles that prayed? For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. How many have had hands laid on in order to receive the Holy Spirit? One. Any more? Two. Out of this whole room. Is it possible? Absolutely. Scripture says so. Right? But not everybody received the Holy Spirit that way. God gives the Holy Spirit as he pleases. Everyone's experience is going to be different. There is no formula. Is there any evidence in your life then that the Holy Spirit is living in you? Is there proof? Here's what Romans 5 says. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. My youngest daughter that will be here tonight, Lord willing, we had a discussion a number of weeks ago. She came to salvation when she was probably five or six or seven, somewhere in there. And she reached her teenage years, and I guess that's all I need to say. (laughs) We've all been teenagers at one time or another. She walked away. There was no evidence of, life, of 
the work of God in her at all. At least 20 years, we might have heard from her five times. She got into all kinds of different ideas on religions, different world religions. But you know, she told me, she says, Dad, I don't know. I don't understand this, but, you know, I have a love in my heart for people. She spoke to me last night, and she's coming down from Port Severn down to Toronto. She has an apartment in Toronto. She's been living in Port Severn in a trailer, somewhere in winter without heat. She came down to Toronto. She got as far as York, Yorkdale area, something that she didn't tell me exactly what it was, but something was really desperately wrong on the bus with one person. And she says, I couldn't go any further, Dad. I had to get off. I had to try and catch the train to go from there. She's down on Queen Street. And she says, I told the bus driver, here's the seat number. This is the problem. And within short order, he says, we've dealt with it. She gets on the train. She goes down to Toronto. She says, I get off the train, and here's a fella who's overdosed on fentanyl. She says, Dad, my heart, I can't help but love people. She says, everybody's passing them by. I couldn't pass them by. She went over to help him. She says, I didn't know what to expect. He might suddenly get up and punch me or whatever. But she says, Dad, I couldn't pass him by because, you see, I've got this love. I said, Susie, that's evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit is living in you. He's the one that gives you that kind of love. He also will give us power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses to, to me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you have a passion for souls to reach them? Do you want to witness to the loving grace of God through Jesus Christ? If God has given you that kind of a heart, you can't have that kind of heart without the Holy Spirit. It's evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit is living in you. Whether you received it as tongues of fire through the laying on of hands, through your obedience, whatever it was, God has put that in your heart and changed it. John 7 says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart, King James says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. An evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is that there is life. It's living water. And those people that come in contact with you will know that they have, they're in front of somebody that's different. And the difference 
is the Holy Spirit living in your life. It can't help but shine in you because he's living in you. It'll shine out. It'll be an evidence that it's there. I was shocked a number of years ago. I went to a Bible college for one year. I said to Sim, I guess I got one up on you. <laughs> I only went for one year because that was all the money that the Lord had given me. I needed to go. I learned some things. I learned to see how things operate. Didn't totally agree. Anyway, I did learn things. But I was shocked one day. Over that period of time, the only person I really got to know was a fellow that's just a little bit younger than I am. And he had grown up in Romania. And he was living, had been living under Ceausescu's reign, which was brutal. And he became part of the underground church in Romania. And he told me, he says, Dave, we would go out preaching in the underground church. And every Friday we would have a baptismal service and there'd be at least 50 to 60 people come to be baptized. They were baptized. They received the Holy Spirit. They went out and witnessed. And next week we had another 50 to 60 to baptize. But one day, he shocked me. John was very conservative. And he said to me one day, he says, Dave, you know, I saw Jesus here. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> I mean, John was so conservative, I'm thinking, mm, okay, what's he saying? I saw, I didn't know what to say. I said, you did? He says, yes, I did. I said, tell me about it. He says, when I saw you, I saw Jesus. Wow, blew my mind. I had never thought of that. But you know how true to Scripture. The early disciples, they took note of them that they had been with Jesus. What did they see? They saw something in their countenance. How many times have you bumped into somebody you didn't know and you think, they've got to be a believer, right? The Holy Spirit's there, present. He's living. He's operating through us. That's an amazing thing. The Holy Spirit works through a believer's life primarily for the benefit of others. This is the other story. Not only Bonnie. How many here uh, read Sadie's letter? Okay, those that you haven't, you better go back, open up your emails and read Sadie's letter. She had no idea what this message is on. This was just part. What I'm trying to do here is just give you a bit of an overview in the Holy Spirit. Next week we'll go into a bit more practical things. But this week, just to give you an overview, so I'm giving you just snapshots of different things on the Holy Spirit. I already had this in the computer before Sadie ever wrote her, her letter to us. From 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. 
There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good for all of us. Just because I stand up here doesn't mean that my gifting is better than yours. And Sadie points that out in her letter. Read it. God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? And I've highlighted this for a reason. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? You see, I grew up, as probably many of you grew up, if you grew up in a church, especially if you're on the Baptist side, let's say, not the Pentecostal side. And... Tongues is kind of out of the question. Don't discuss it. When I was a teenager, I was running a printing press. And I was working a night shift all by myself. And there was a lovely couple that used to come in to clean the shop that I was working in. Um, I don't know how old they would be. I mean, as a teenager, 50s old, right? (laughs) Sorry, some of you that are my age. We must be ancient. Anyway, I had the printing press cranked up. Once I had it running, it's just a matter of making sure that the ink was ready and everything, and I'm stocked with paper and so on. They would come, and they'd stand beside the printing press, this couple, husband and wife, and they would talk to me about the scriptures. We got, had wonderful conversations. And they talked to me about speaking in tongues. I had, of course, I'd read my Bible. I knew it was in my Bible, but I didn't really know much about it. And so I was stretched, as many of you would be stretched if somebody started speaking tongues here. I was being stretched. So I began to investigate a little bit more about it. And through the years, I became more accustomed to understanding what was going on. And if you go back in history to 1904, You had the Azusa Street Revival, the same time you had the Welsh Revival. And the Azusa Street Revival, many of them spoke in tongues, but they were living also in a community where there were quite a number of Russians there. And I heard eyewitness testimonies from two people, and I don't know how many years ago this would have been, that had been present. I would think they would have probably been quite young at the time, but they were present And the question was asked them about speaking in tongues at the Azusa Street Revival. And they said, oh, yes, definitely, we did. But many of them spoke in Russian. We had some that spoke Spanish. We had some that spoke in these different languages. And that was prevalent in the Azusa Street Revival. They spoke as the apostles did in the beginning of Acts. People heard the message in their own language. Then in conversation with this couple, and I don't remember exactly where they stood on this, and 
I'm sure there's some of them, some of you here that can verify this. This was taken to its extreme to say if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. My head's going around and I'm saying, well, is that what Corinthians says? Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Does that mean there's no tongues? Obviously not. People speak in tongues. I experienced this personally. We had a house church. At this point in time, there would have been 70 to 80 people in a house. It was a large house that we met in. And someone began to speak in tongues. My first reaction was, because of what Paul says, if somebody's, if you get together, and this is interesting, he says when the whole church comes together, okay? in Corinth they would have had a lot of house churches, but when the whole church comes together, he says, and it might surprise you, there's only two of the gifts that are allowed to speak, the prophets and those with tongues. But if somebody speaks in a tongue, somebody better be present to interpret it. I was absolutely shocked this day. As soon as this took place, I'm doing this, I'm looking, who's, who's here to interpret? I mean, I didn't understand it. I couldn't interpret it. After a few moments, one of the ladies began to speak and interpreted it. Then the person that was speaking in tongues spoke again, and she interpreted that. It wasn't like we had tongues, and after 10 minutes, somebody then interprets it. No, no. This was an interpretation. And it was real, and we knew that this was God speaking. Don't overlook it. We have no idea what God may do in the days in which we're living. We don't want to limit God. He doesn't limit the way in which we receive the Holy Spirit. Don't limit him in the way he may want to work. We're looking for revival. We're praying for revival. What's it look like? It might be totally different than anything we've ever read about before. And I wouldn't be at all surprised that it would be totally different but we need to be looking for it. I believe God is going to move. The Holy Spirit is going to move. And he's beginning to in you. I'm listening. I've heard many testimonies. So isn't this interesting that I'm looking at these spiritual gifts and Sadie then puts it into her letter. Chance? That's the Holy Spirit at work. You've heard me say many times, Sim, quit stealing my messages. That's a good thing. Because the Holy Spirit's saying the same thing to Sim as he's saying to me. And here we are today. Sim's not here. And yet I already have two examples of the Holy Spirit at work in our midst. How blessed are we We are the most blessed people that there could ever be. The Holy Spirit is real, and he's working in our lives.
So the Holy Spirit is the promissory note that we will be raised. Ephesians 1 says, In Christ you also, who have heard the word of truth, the glad tidings, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in and adhered to and relied on him, were stamped with the seal of the long-promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, the first fruits, the pledge, foretaste, the down payment on our heritage, in anticipation of its full redemption and our acquired complete possession of it to the praise of his glory. We have been given things by the Holy Spirit when we believe. And God is seeing to it that that is not taken away nor lost because he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. I was looking up this morning on the seals my mind went to when we moved to Scotland and we had a container and all our earthly goods were in one cubic box of stuff. Everything that you'd ever worked towards having is all in one box. If that goes into the sea, well, you're out of luck. But there's a seal that they use today in shipping. And when that seal is put on the back of the transport trailer or whatever it is, it is not to be opened until it reaches its destination. And that's exactly what God has done in giving us the Holy Spirit. He has sealed us and said, nobody, nothing is ever going to disturb what he's given us. And he keeps it right to the very end, the end of our lives. And if we depart to go with Christ first, still fine. Whatever our end is, it's still fine. He sealed us and nobody can open it. Nobody can add to it. Nobody can take away. Nobody can tamper with it because the Holy Spirit has sealed us. Why should you fear? If the God who began a good work in you, he is going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I had an uncle in the States. He was in his 80s at the time. He was a true evangelist. I, I witnessed this. I'll tell you sometime, someday. Man, he was an evangelist. But we're on the phone one day, and he says, Dave, you know, we've got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I said, yes, that's right, Uncle L. I said, what's the next verse say? Ah, uh, like Jackie Gleason. Um, 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 um. <laughs> he couldn't tell me the next verse. I said, the next verse, Uncle L, is... For it is God who is at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working in us through the Holy Spirit, making us into a useful vessel, even although we're, charged, we're jars of clay. He's working his work in us, and he has a purpose. That purpose is in view of the day of Jesus Christ. It is a purpose that goes throughout our whole lifetime. Why should we fear? Why should we be discouraged when the Holy Spirit is doing everything in our lives if we'll just listen to him to help guide us through this life? This life has its ups and downs. I've had many of them. But he's remained faithful. Romans 8 says, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly, 
waiting for the adoption, that is the redemption of our bodies. Oh. Anybody here waiting for that? Oh, it's all old people. <laughs> Any young people looking for it? Oh, the more days we put in on this earth, the more we're looking for the Lord to take us out of it. But we must keep in mind that he's not willing that any should perish and he's given us a job to do in the meantime. So if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you, does he live in you? Are your sins forgiven? If they are, he's come to live in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through or because of his spirit who dwells in you. And God is doing that now, giving life to these mortal bodies. Let's let it shine. Shine, Jesus, shine through me, through you. And with that, we can change the world. We can't, God can, but he uses us. That's the message for today. I trust that this hopefully maybe gets some of us stirred up to realize the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's been demonstrated today how the Holy Spirit is working in this small group of believers, and he wants to work through each and every one of us. And as Sadie was saying in her letter, you know, there are things that need to be done. And God has given each of us that have come to salvation, who have received the Holy Spirit, something to do. And what God says is, don't make a fanfare about it. Just get on with the job. That's what he says. I think it's in Romans. He says, well, if it's leadership, lead. Whatever it is God's given you, just, just do it. And when you do, the body itself will be built up. We'll each be encouraged. Anybody here that doesn't need encouragement? Not a single hand went up. We all need to be encouraged. That's why we're together this morning. We wouldn't be all together in this place if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit.